0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is a production of Open California and is sponsored by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard and I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is uh, Supervisor Holly Mitchell of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Holly, thank you very much for being with us today. It is my pleasure. I really appreciate you all inviting me. You know, I almost said Senator Holly Mitchell.
2: and I, had I to know. <laughs> so. You're not you're not
1: alone. Me too and
2: many others.
1: <laughs> so here you are in L.A. Um, what is the difference? What do you what do you see the big differences between a between being a member of the Board of Supervisors and a member of the legislature, the Senate? Uh, Tim and I were talking numbers before about this. You represent a lot more people now than you did in the in the Senate. I now,
2: re- I now represent twice the number of people. There are 2 million people in each supervisorial district. That's amazing. Uh, but, you know, for me, this is, the, this is the district that I was born and raised. I'm a third-generation Native Angelino, And so, uh, A, B, my parents met as eligibility workers working for L.A. County Department of Public Social Services. My grandmother and a couple of great aunts all took a turn at some point in their careers working for L.A. County. So I guess in a funny kind of way, I've, I've come home, right? I've come home uh, to, the, to L.A. full time and to now being for the first time an employee of the county. You know, the difference um, is it, really stark. And, and I think I'm feeling it probably more um, profoundly because we're in the middle of this public health economic pandemic. And, you know, uh, public health rests in the lap of county government. And so to, to to bear witness to uh, the work of Dr. Barbara Ferrer, um, our public, um, the director of our Department of Public Health, um, Dr. Christina Galley, the director of our Department of Healthcare Services, to see the yo woman's job they both have done um, in leading this county in protecting and providing safety and cover and care to this county during this time is really profound.
1: How is that played you know, part- out? Uh, you know, in your district, second district, how's that played out? Uh, the vaccinations and the availability of vaccine, and what do you hear from your constituents about it being there or not being there? Well, that's that's where I was calling
2: the action, quite frankly, and I think my relationships with Sacramento um, proved very helpful for my constituents because you know, in the early days, we didn't see um, vaccine really kind of. Let me go back. We didn't see testing. I immediately um, kind of uh, got involved as a sitting state senator last year when Uh we were concerned because we didn't see um, the number of testing sites we felt we should throughout our district. Uh, We looked at some data provided by um, the Advancement Project that did this amazing, you know, geo-mapping where we could see the spread of the virus and yet services like testing weren't in those same geographical areas. So I partnered with St. John's, um, family Child uh, and well-being Center, um, I partnered with LAUSD and, and, and did a pop-up testing site in the southernmost section of my senatorial district. Fast forward, now I'm on the Board of Supervisors, and now we're transitioning to vaccines. So I was proud to be a part of one of the mega sites um, at the forum. Um, but we also knew that there were people who didn't have cars, couldn't go through drive-in vaccine. Uh, centers and people who are having difficulty to this day navigating the online appointment process. And so I was so proud that LA County and I partnered, um, you know, identified almost 400 community based partners, federally qualified health clinics, health centers, now churches. And so, really, throughout my district, there are any number of mobile units, pop up um, sites where vaccines really are, from my perspective, a plenty. We're still trying to make sure that people are able to navigate the appointment system, uh, supporting nonprofit organizations that are doing old-fashioned outreach like phones, texts, door knocking, Um, churches, the faith-based community uh, in my district, reaching out to their members. So really relying on trusted community-based institutions to step up to talk about the importance, the availability of vaccine. Uh, and it, I think that's what I help up, bring that's what I help bring, I think to my
1: constituents. Uh, you know when it comes to stepping up, most of the pandemic that we've all experienced was during a previous administration federal during the previous administration, Donald Trump. Now Joseph Biden's been elected. Did you see uh, any stark differences from the Trump to the Biden that transition as far as how you felt your constituents were being served, or how your availability of the vaccine was improved or whatever? No question. First of all, there was an actual acknowledgement of the severity of
2: the crisis we were all facing. Uh People in my community were experiencing it in a very real way. Supervisorial Districts 1 and 2, Hilda Solis, Holly Mitchell, our districts in L.A. County, were disproportionately hit by this um, um, virus, and so I think minimally we were validated by a federal administration who acknowledged that it was real, and said very early that they were going to do all they could to expedite the availability of vaccine. Uh, not to mention, um, uh, you know, this new federal monies that are coming down to states, counties, and municipalities to provide much needed relief to local governments. So it is a, it is a striking difference from the previous administration, without question.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, Hilda, Hilda Solis, and I was, Tim and I had been talking earlier. I know that the focus on the Board of Supervisors right now got a lot of media attention, rightfully so, all, all members, all five members are women. But 60% of you are former state legislators or former lawmakers, Hilda Solis, right. you, you. And then I looked you up a little bit and uh, you had succeeded a former legislature, a legislator. <laughs> and when you got elected, uh, you defeated a former legislator, former speaker. So the gravity, the weight, uh, the traditional hierarchy of how a political person in California, I think, grew and rose, when local level, maybe school board, commission, maybe city council, maybe board of supervisors, maybe legislature, it's kind of a, a hierarchy. Now, hey, it's flipped, you know, people want you, now you're the A team, and, you know, legislature looks more like the B team, so now, what do you think? <laughs> well, I don't,
2: I, you know, I don't think that traditional hierarchy applies to L.A. County. L.A. County um, is uh, the largest county in the country with 10 million people, our county charter limits the number of supervisors to five. So I'm sure when the, the, you know, fathers of the county, because I'm sure there were not women at the table back then drafted the county charter, they never envisioned the county of 10 million. And so unlike at the federal level uh, uh, once we have the census and redistricting where we know uh, congressional districts must remain the same size. And so, you know, the numbers of people, who represent who represent you in a, in a, in a state may vary. That's not the case in LA County, and so we are somewhat argue one of the most powerfully elected bodies in the country um, because of the sheer size of our districts. So I think, as you said, local, state, the, the, the natural progression doesn't apply here um, because of the sheer size of the districts. You know, my district is about 162 square miles. It's one of the smallest geographically of the five districts. Mm-hmm. And yet I probably got, you know, by, you know, several thousand or so um, the, 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 the the most constituents, because I'm also one of the most densely populated um, districts, yeah. I'm sure, in the country. So, yeah, that hierarchy doesn't necessarily apply, I think, to the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. We're both um, executive, administrative, uh, policymaking and regulatory. So it's an interesting yeah. body in terms
1: of. Um, Quite frankly, our sheer power. You know, it used to be called the five little kings. So, are we talking five little queens now, or? Well, I don't use that, that term a joke. because you know. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, well, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was it was really
2: you know um, a, a slam. It was it was the media throwing shade at the five little kings. Um, <laughs> uh, quite frankly, back when I remember it, um, because it was like you know sometimes they acted like kings, but you know you know they call them the five little kings. So, you know, I, I don't use the term, but, but I do fully appreciate the unique, um, the history we've made um, and the unique opportunity we have as five female policymakers, all incredibly diverse, I might add, you know, brilliant women who've had very different kind of backgrounds and experiences. I think the one thing we have in common is our gender, um, and so we all bring our life experience policymaking experience, business experience, all of that kind of acumen to the table to do what we can to improve the lives of every LA County resident.
1: Have you had any um, indication yet what redistricting uh, might mean for your district or for the others on the board? But uh, the census data is being massaged right now. I think uh, at the end of April, we're gonna get some indication about what's, what's out there. What, if any changes, do you see in the second district? Um, I, I, what I've heard is sort of hearsay, uh, yeah. you know, that there
2: there's, you know, and, and that's, and that's what leads up to redistricting, you know, who's going to sure. be where, um, who's going to make the power play yeah. to keep Your you know, their good. community Your intact. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I've heard that there are Southern areas of my district that are maybe attractive to other members. I I, I don't know. Yeah. And I think yeah. what's, what's, what the struggle is going to be is because of the pandemic, because of the delay, um, you know, my True concern is making sure that the census data is accurate. I mm-hmm. think my district is one of the districts that suffers from undercount, and undercount yeah. means, you know, impacts uh, resources, quite frankly, that I can leverage to support my constituents. That's my biggest concern. Um, but I'm sure that there will be some tweaking. Um, you know, I've heard lots of rumor and lots of conversations that impact other districts more so than the second district. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, that is, that is, um, true political uh games personship if you sure. will when it yeah. comes to drawing those lines and every effort has been made to make it as an objective a, a, po- a process as possible with independent commissions and all that so we'll see yeah.
1: i know one of the this rumors is it hasn't been about the district about the supervisor's district but about congress and potentially losing a seat in congress uh if if they do if, if there is a decline in population or lack of growth compared to somewhere else, it may be in east of Los Angeles, proper in that inland that area down there. Uh, but what that would mean, and which district would, would lose and what would have to be compressed, nobody knows yet anyway. But that's and
2: word. again, from my perspective, um, the, the biggest fear is if that is a direct consequence of an undercount, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and we have the reality of having to provide services to people who live here, but don't continue to draw down at the same level uh, uh, from the federal government in terms of resources. That's problematic. Tim, did you have
1: a question? I thought, did I cut you off? Or...
0: Well, I was just going to say this is uh, a situation where if we were like a TV game show, we could have the lifeline call and we could just call out to Paul Mitchell i say, Paul, what's going on with the second district?
2: Exactly. Uh, exactly. exactly. Yeah, a, a, a call that I have not made because I'm yeah. doing the work every day today. But you're right. Yeah, Paul and, and others who who it is their business to you know um, um, track that kind of work. But you're right. Paul would have been a, a lifeline call. I agree.
1: Yeah. Well, gracefully <laughs> segue from mapping and redistricting to uh, that town I mentioned earlier. I was looking at the district. City. You've got eight complete cities and pieces of Los Angeles in your district. And all kinds of unincorporated areas. And some of the neighborhoods, actually, most of the neighborhoods I, I've heard of or know, but not North Shoestring. So, what's with North Shoestring? Right. And so, we pulled North Shoestring from a, a
2: map we too found in the district. I had a, in my campaign headquarters a year ago, I had this beautiful map that took up a whole wall that had all of the cities and the names of the unincorporated areas and communities, because everybody yeah. kind of wants to see themselves reflected. We actually had to amend the map because I had a volunteer that came in that said, "You know, I live in wherever and I don't see it wasn't Hyde Park it was another community, and I never see it on the map. We added that community yeah, so sure. you know we can't track back really to where." north shoestring is i think it might be an old name that just kept you know was carried over on map yeah. after map after map so we've asked a couple people and nobody seems to know <laughs> so if i'm able to dig a little deeper call um where in the world is carmen san diego carmen are you in north shoestring uh, probably- <laughs> if i'm able to find out i'll call you guys back and let you know
1: but i don't know yeah how's it's it a, work? With it's your a staffing. funny name you know if you got you have all these neighborhoods and cities you have to keep track of And, of course, you did as a senator as well, but Mm -hmm. not on this breadth of scale, I think. But Mm -hmm. So what kind of staffing do you have? How many people do you have on your staff, and what are they responsible for, and that kind of thing? I mean, I I, I see a small army of people out there covering, but probably not.
2: So, you know, um, I'm former staff. I was a district office staffer for former state senator Diane Watson. That was my first real job out of my Coral Foundation Fellowship, yes. I mean, and I'm, I'm really coral kind of fellow. yes, I'm a coral fellow. It's yes, in Los Angeles.
1: Conspiracy. Everybody's a coral up here, and they have a secret handshake, and you know they get.
2: That's them. right. We do the plan is to take over the world and use of our course. superpowers for good. Use our superpowers <laughs> for good. So, you know, back then in the, in the old days when I was a field deputy, I thought it was a brilliant model. We were kind of divided by issue area and geography. So I had a geographic area I covered um, for then Senator Watson. I had policy areas. And, you know, I understood my job was to keep my finger on the pulse of the community. And I was kind of the lifeline between the community and the senator and back and vice versa. And that's the way um, I've always led my own teams. So I've just spent a good chunk of January and February building our team. We used a very strategic, thoughtful process. We had over 400 people, which I was flattered by, expressed interest in coming to join Team Mitchell. Um, But we were very methodical, did informational interviews, went out to talk to um, important community leaders and stakeholders that we knew to ask them to refer us to people, Uh, um, really had a consultant help lead the process. And so we're at about 40. It's a real hybrid team. Some people um, who transitioned from, uh, the previous supervisor, some people who came with me from the Senate, uh, my district office staff uh, who came with me from the Senate, some people in other areas and departments within the county, and another group of people who, much like myself when I ran for office, uh, coming from the nonprofit sector, who are subject matter experts, um, um, who you know, have rich history in community and in particular critical policy areas that, are, that have joined the county family just like I am. So it's a real hybrid team. I'm very excited. And much like my own experience, my field team is divided um, into geographic areas to make sure that every community uh, in the district um, has a staff, a field representative that they know they're connected to. So if you go to my county website, you'll see these fabulous pictures of these new staff and the communities are listed under their names for the field staff, the district staff, um, who they're responsible for. And then we're really kind of doing We're trying to break through silos and kind of work in pods. And so the field team knows if they're talking to a community um, about an issue around water, that they are plugging in with my environmental justice deputy and that they are, you know, um, sharing kind of the responsibility of gathering information and communicating to constituents. So it's it's the policy folks that are kind of in the hall of administration. It's the critically important staff that are doing the field work. And together, we do our best to uh, bring
1: forward policy
2: and represent 2 million
1: people. Were you guys able to get um, able to get vaccinated? How did that work? Everybody's been wondering and asking, have you been vaccinated? Have I been back? You know, I have, actually, because uh, I'm over 29 now. So I've been vaccinated. But a lot of people have not, or they've only had one jab, and they're going to get another one. How'd that work out for you and your staff?
2: Um, and so uh, because I am barely north of 50 myself, I have been recently vaccinated, as have um, those uh, on my staff who meet the criteria. Uh-huh. You know, I'm the, the, the mother of a Gen Zer who works in food service. So he actually got his vaccination before I did. He got a lovely email from his uh, employer saying, because you work uh, in the restaurant industry, food service, you're eligible. So uh,
1: he actually got vaccinated before I did. Did you have uh, any, or did your, did your D or have any uh, reaction? How did that? Uh,
2: it's, it's interesting. He's asthmatic. He's 20. He's asthmatic. And so he got a little congested for a day or two. And yeah. it's hard to always tell if it's allergies change the season for him, or if it was a reaction. He's he, he, because he's 20, I strongly suggested that he get J and J one and done. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's what he got. So it was really hard to say, but you know, he's 20. Yeah. He got up and kept it moving.
1: You know, the only thing I had was uh, my arm hurt like hell, but I didn't have any, you know, any respiratory, any, any of that that I'd hurt for the second one. The first one was not even just like a flu shot or something, but uh, yep. had, like,
2: me, 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 me either. No worse than the flu shot that I uh, get every year because I'd started uh, every year when he was born and, and was asthmatic and was the, the recommendation of the um, pediatrician. Uh, and I'm also old enough to have gotten my shingles shots. I did those last oh, yeah. year. I didn't and get... so I, you know, didn't have any reaction. So I'm, I'm knocking on my forehead as
1: wood. <laughs> shingles sounded horrible. You know, I didn't get a shingle shot either. Cause I was just shingle shot. I didn't get a shingle shot either. <laughs> I wanted to get, get rid of them, you know, but get out the door. But, uh, That does not sound like a pleasant disease to me. It doesn't, It does but I've known a couple of people who have suffered from shingles. I know
2: that for some, particularly women, I may be making up that science, but the women I know who uh, suffered from shingles, and you said, and it is a horrible condition, it was stress-induced. And so quite frankly, I got it about last year this time, I was in the middle of a a very competitive campaign, and I thought the last thing I need in the middle of a campaign and a public health pandemic is to get the shingles. (laughs) So I got my shingles immunizations, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so now we were originally going to schedule this interview for last week and you actually had to cancel because the governor said hey i'm going to come down and get my shot so apparently your district is the place to go to get a shot so how about that uh, so did you actually get it before him or did he get it before you
2: (laughs) i got it before him just like by you know hours um yeah Uh, Yeah, I was very proud. He came to the Baldwin Crenshaw Mall, a historic kind of landmark in my district. And I had the opportunity to actually introduce him that day after he got his shot. Uh, And I talked about, you know, that that was the first um, mall uh, of contiguous construction in the country. Um, It's right at the base of Baldwin Hills in the heart, quite frankly, of uh, the African-American community in Crenshaw and Merck Park, where I was born and raised. Um, interestingly enough, it it was in a Sears department store that has closed. So I think it was an interesting kind of dichotomy of a, of a mall that had rich, deep history in the community. And we ran a store that closed a couple of years ago now in in terms of a place to be able to administer the vaccine. It was great. People were inside, you know, be able to be spaced. uh, great, um, areas for people to sit and spend their 15 minutes for them to be checked. Um, But it was kind of an interesting, you know, scenario for me to find myself in this historic place, but, you know, in this, in this store and in this mall that is suffering um, as a result of this public, uh, of this dual pandemic, both public health and economic. And, you know, malls are suffering all over this country. So it was an interesting kind of place to find ourselves in. He and Secretary Yolanda Richardson both got their shots that day. And I teased her by saying that, you know, as, as a fellow Black woman, that she, like I, had been vaccinated, um, which which the media kind of got tickled by, but that it was important as we talk about this perception of vaccine hesitancy um, by, you know, Black and Latinx community, that it was important that she step up and show uh, that she got vaccinated. And actually it was a Black woman that administered a, a Black female physician who administered the vaccine to um secretary richardson
1: that day do you think it'll really help i mean my expectation is it really does being vaccinated is all to the good but now over the last few days i'm reading about various variants we might have to go through this again maybe the answer here is an is an annual Uh, kind of a vaccination, like a flu shot or tetanus or something, I don't know, but. uh, Well, you know,
2: I think, I think everything we're doing helps. I think continuing to wear our masks helps, washing our hands, social distancing, being mindful of just kind of where you go, what you do. Um, And the vaccine, I believe, will help as well. You know, I heard Dr. Fauci, I believe it was yesterday, say that they think the current vaccines that are available are helping even with the variants. So when I consider the death rate, the hospitalization rate, just the overwhelming loss of life um, across this country and in my district, yeah. anything and everything we can do to slow down this virus, we have to do. I had a member of the media say to me about a month or so ago, we were actually at when we launched the mega sites and um, the mega uh, sites, uh, vaccination sites for the county, we had one mega site per district. And mine was at the forum. And I was there and a CNN reporter said, well, aren't your constituents growing fatigued, you know, of the virus? And it struck me. And I said, we don't have the luxury because the virus has not grown fatigued of us. The virus is going to fight to survive. And so we have to fight to protect ourselves. Um, And so, you know, I have a lovely collection of masks uh, (laughs) made for me, by a variety of people. And I think that I'll be sporting them for a good while. I don't know that I'll be on a plane again without donning a mask. It just, you know, I think our flu rates were down this year. Uh, I have to say, I didn't catch a single cold uh, uh, over the past year. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be said to, to, to that. And even as we go back, to resuming our lives outside of our homes, yeah. uh, going back to dining and shopping and outdoor events. I hope to be able to return to outdoor concerts this summer. That's yeah. my favorite part of being an Angelino in the summertime. Um, but I hope that we're all really conscious of, of what that means and how we can keep ourselves, our families, and our community safe.
0: Um, it's funny you say that because my wife just bought a shirt from a local uh, local dressmaker and, and uh, person who makes clothes on her own and she got the shirt from her you know it was a kind of a, a remote pickup so they didn't have to uh see each other and the shirt came with a matching mask telling that, you. that way it just was it's good that's so cool it's that someone that's taking something that's you know this whole pandemic is obviously horrible Masks are crappy but taking it and, and kind of taking it to the next level and making it kind of a cool thing and i was like you know there's always those people what is what did Mr. Rogers say? Always look for the helpers. And you know, that's one thing you look and, and some people are taking this and kind of turning it upside down and trying to make a kind of a cool thing out of it. So,
2: And uh, there's a women owned business in my district, La Loop. Uh, I've been a customer of theirs for years online. Didn't know that they were based right here in Century City and they create kind of decorative, it's jewelry where I can loop my glasses and keep them around my neck. Cause you know, I am, the kind i need them for reading not distance so then you take them off then you can't find them when you need them well the women at la loop then began to create mask holders you know you take your mask off you put it down and where is it and Uh so much like that enterprising business woman they created these mask holders where you could looks like a piece of jewelry i could keep my mask around my neck so you're right um out of every tragedy there's a silver lining uh, and as I joke with people, I said, you know, we had no idea how many people didn't really know how to wash their hands thoroughly. Now everybody <laughs> does. Uh, and hopefully they will do so on a much more regular consistent basis. <laughs> yeah.
1: Holly Mitchell. Um, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, really enjoyed it. And, uh, Tim Foster, thank you very much. And you, and I have one more question. We, uh, oh, you know, we
0: just, uh, we, talked to Jeff Keitlinger from the Metropolitan Water District. I'm sure you know him down there uh, last week. And he's a big music fan and he talked about that. And you just said you're really looking forward to concerts. And so, hey, who are you you ready to go see? What's what's next on your list when you can go see a concert? Who are you gonna go see?
2: So I love Summertime in LA and uh, go to the Playboy Jazz Festival at the Hollywood Bowl. So anything outdoors at the Hollywood Bowl, at the Greek Theater, LACMA, the L.A. County Museum of Modern Art, does a Friday night free jazz series in the summer outdoors. Um, But in terms of who I want to see, I saw was introduced this morning on the CBS Morning Show to these two young African-American men who play violin and they're called Black Violin. And they show, the the news uh, segment showed how they've used COVID to really um, use social media and, and Zoom to go into classrooms, they were they went to high school together in Florida to expose kids to string instruments, um, but they were so fantastic. I made a mental note that if they are on tour and come anywhere near California, I want to see them live.
1: Cool. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's excellent. Great. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Thanks, John. And this is John Howard saying we'll see you next time around. Take care. Thanks for the opportunity. Be well. Yeah.
0: The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.